Anyway, a good fit therapist for us would be someone who has spoken with other couples who are also questioning the cultural norm of relationships Mm -hmm. and asking, is there another way? Hopefully you can help guide us through questions and reflections of things that we may not see in ourselves anymore. Ways that we may be thinking that are just habitual. That's really what I want. I just want somebody who can step aside their own personal opinions the amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak they talk to you they will answer questions carry on conversations psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up Are you looking for a community that allows you to authentically express and explore what it means to be human? One that honors the divinity within you and all life? Then Sanctuary may be just the community you have been looking for. Sanctuary is a faith-based organization centered around the sacrament of sacred mushrooms for spiritual exploration and personal development. You are invited to become a member and commune with us. Join us for a Sunday Zoom service or a weekend sacred mushroom retreat in the beautiful Kentucky countryside. Visit P-S-A-N-C-T-U-A-R-Y dot org to become a member and find more information. Oh, laid back. Chilling. I'm on the, I'm on the therapist's couch. <laughs> mm. Wow, you're a relaxed client. You look like a therapist. You're all sitting there all straight up. And <laughs> Let's psychoanalyze that hey everybody it's welcome back to psilocybin says hey i'm courtney rose eric osborne today we're talking about therapy therapy we're and actually getting ready to go to our most recent couples therapy <laughs> session uh-huh restarting we hired a new therapist yeah It's been a while since we've had a human therapist. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Wow. Yeah. Courtney was just reminding me of a uh, therapy session that we did probably six years ago or so Mm -hmm. uh, where the therapist completely slut shamed me. (laughs) Yes, she did. (laughs) She was like supposed to be some kind of a spiritual therapist and she fucking man yeah i forgot about that i mean yeah. I, for, I remembered going but i forgot about the trauma that i felt and uh, you know so like that's what i want to talk about in this so I, I have absolutely had a level of resistance to therapists over the years i think a lot of people do i don't think that's really altogether uncommon mm-hmm. when i think back about some of my experiences going to therapy there aren't a whole lot that were really positive and from the synopsis that you just gave me of some of the experiences you remember you had kind of similar encounters mm-hmm. what I didn't remember until you were talking about it, the coach that you had that really helped you mm-hmm. feel at ease was when I was in middle school like seventh or eighth grade that there was a therapist Gary Zacharias if you're out there Gary still love you uh, that came and did group counseling for this kids there 
Uh, and I loved it. I loved being able to talk about the stuff that normally didn't get talked about. But and he and he was great. He was very down to earth. Um, helped everybody feel comfortable being who they were. Allowed you to explore anything. He appreciated the fact that I would bring up challenging topics. I remember specifically talking about pornography uh, in one of his sessions. And um, but what I, what ended up happening with that is my parents because I I liked this guy so much I would come home and talk about you know going to the therapy sessions and how good they were and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom getting mad about something. We were in some kind of an argument, and she said something like, well, why don't you go see your new father, Gary Zacharias? And, like, I felt so ashamed of, yeah, of appreciating, valuing this person as an outside perspective. Wow. And I don't, I don't think oh. I realized how traumatizing that was until, really, maybe today sitting here. I haven't thought about that for fucking ever, and it just kind of hit me as I was thinking back to you know, you know, when uh-huh. I tried to get my mom to go to therapy with me mm-hmm. years ago, and we went to two sessions, and in the second session is when I started kind of talking about how I felt, and she just got, she said, "I'm done," and got up and walked out. And the therapist was just like, well, you're just going to have to accept this or or not because this is how she's going to respond. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've, had, I've had some pretty negative kind of um, encounters, not necessarily with the therapist themselves, but the, the context maybe that the therapy – was being held in mm-hmm. based on my family. And, you know, that's like that's like the whole Catholic thing again. It's like you don't need a therapist. You get a priest. Go confess your sins and shut the fuck up and get over it. Move on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, deny yourself. Feel guilty. Right. And there's all the therapy you need. Wow. How hurtful for a kid to finally find someone to confide in. And man, yeah, for your mother to basically passively aggressively make fun of you should aggressively aggressively. I, I guess that was aggressively, <laughs> yeah, not so passive, huh? Yeah, but and my dad like talked now. I mean, I'll, I'll always remember talking negative here and negative talk around people going to therapy. And if, if anybody went to a shrink, you know, that's like what I heard when I was a kid a head shrink that. You know, the person was crazy or it was they, mm-hmm. were, it, they were fucked up and that's why they were going to therapy yeah there's been a big mental health movement in the last what would you say 10 years i mean the yeah. level of acceptance around having a therapist as a maintenance mental maintenance maintenance mm-hmm, mm-hmm seems way more of the cultural norm now than say like in the 90s for sure for sure um but even still you know i've had some i had a pretty negative therapist experience about a year ago and the guy that i went to here 
Um, Definitely. You know, he's just like dumping some kind of Jordan Peterson, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get over your shit, suck it up and be a man kind of thing, you know, uh, which uh-huh. I found significantly unhelpful. You know, there's another therapist I went to when I first moved to Louisville and my parents divorced and uh, my girlfriend broke up with me. And I was just really depressed and distraught. And I went to a therapist and it was, I guess it was a psychiatrist cause, because the very first session, and I knew I just wanted somebody to talk to, the very first session I went in, he prescribed me Zoloft. And I took it for two weeks and was like, this, this is fucking wrong. And this guy's an asshole uh, for doing this. So... Yeah, I've had, I've had a certain level of resistance around this. And, you know, you mm-hmm. indicated the same. Why don't you share some of your experiences with therapists over the years? Why, I'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was yeah. That, was that a nervous tick I saw there? Was it a twitch in your head? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, so, well, I've been wanting, first let me say, I have been wanting us to have a therapist that we feel comfortable with for a while now. And that being said, I have also been reluctant to start a relationship with a therapist, knowing having a past of my own of therapist after therapist and feeling exhausted with, telling my whole story and getting finally getting to the point where we have a little bit of rapport and then feeling like, wow, this person, I, I don't feel like this person is helpful. Mm. I feel more confused and not heard. And then feeling like I don't want to, I don't feel comfortable going to this person anymore I've spent all this time like, you know, pouring my heart out and like, I don't know. I feel like it would have just been more helpful to talk to a friend about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been to, I started going to therapy when I was mom who's listening. I'm sure we'll need to fact check me on this, <laughs> but I was between the eight. It was after my little brother was born I think I must have been around eight years old and I developed storm uh, phobia. Like I was very afraid of dark clouds Mm. and storms like severe thunderstorm warnings, tornado watches. I would just, I would have panic attacks and like basically go into the basement and be on the brink of hyperventilating. And it went on for, I don't know how long years and so my parents took me to a therapist and I when I look back on it I remember feeling like this guy thinks I'm crazy and I don't feel like like I don't feel comfortable with him Mm. is basically what I remember as a child Mm. and so that was my first experience with therapy Uh, The therapist, going to that therapist did not help my storm phobia. It actually just went away, I think, like 10 years ago Mm. in my early 20s. Yeah, I remember you talking about that in Paoli. 
when we'd have big storms and stuff, how you still mm-hmm. had some, even then had some remnants of it, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, and then my next experience in therapy was when I was having a lot of resistance and going to school mm-hmm. and going to middle school. So I think I was 13 years old about, and I was getting stomach aches every morning and really did not want to go to school. I hated going to school and I would just, yeah, it was reflected in my stomach and I had doctors say I had irritable bowel syndrome and all kinds of things. There was medication recommended like anti-anxiety medication and ended up going to therapy and I felt I did not like the therapist. I felt like she was very condescending. She talked to me like I felt like she was talking to me like there was something wrong with me Mm. and it did not feel good. And I went, I don't know how many times I went, but I remember finally my mom taking me, I don't know what session this would have been, maybe like the fifth or sixth session and me being like, I'm not going in. This person thinks I'm stupid. This isn't Mm -hmm. helpful. Mm -hmm. I hate going here. And so that was that. I didn't go back. And then my next experience in therapy. Did you ever kind of get out of that school anxiety stomach stuff? Or how did that evolve? That took a while. Um, I think it, it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school, I Mm. think that I felt comfortable Mm -hmm. going to school and I stopped having, for the most part, bad stomach aches. Mm. But, um, yeah. And that's still like last night I had a stomach ache. Yeah. And I wondered if that was, you know, related to us coming up on this today. Maybe. Yeah, talking about, you brought up muscle testing yesterday. Mm. I feel like my stomach is my muscle test. Yeah. So anyway, fast forward, I'm around 18 years old, and we touched on this a couple episodes ago, Mm. how I had struggled with disordered eating in about around my senior year of high school into college. And so... It got pretty bad and I, my mom found a, um, a counseling center that special specialized in disordered eating support, uh, counseling for women. So we went there and there's like a tiered support system there. So first you would talk to the, uh, psychotherapist and she would evaluate what your needs were and, I had a long session with her and she, which also felt, I remember thinking the whole time, oh my God, I hope I don't have to come. I'm not seeing this woman Mm. (laughs) every time I come here. Mm. I feel like she's looking at me like I'm crazy. I feel like so uncomfortable with her. And uh, thankfully she decided she didn't need, or I didn't need her level of help. So she sent me to their their coach on staff mm. who was trained in helping uh, people with disordered eating. So I went to the coach and 
I remember my first session with her, I walked in and I immediately felt at ease. She was talking to me like a person and I felt really comfortable and like she was so friendly and relatable and she talked to me as if there wasn't something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Like she talked to me mm-hmm. as if I'm a, I'm normal, like this isn't a normal thing, mm-hmm. like this is something that is... Um, is like we just need to redirect let's refocus let's look at positive things let's you know set some goals and i feel like oh yeah this is good i can work with this Mm. like we're not just talking about what's wrong with me (laughs) i love this which is what i'd experienced in therapy before like what's wrong with you right very centered around everything that's wrong Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i all that therapy i'd had in childhood I would always walk out of there feeling worse. Mm -hmm. Like that's my memories. So that's what got me into coaching was going to this disordered eating clinic and finding this coach and feeling like this is the approach that works. Like Mm -hmm. I feel great. I come out of these sessions. I feel hope. I feel like more of me. And I love that we talk about, the great things about me and the things I'm good at and let's focus on that. And Mm -hmm. so yeah, finding a therapist that like, that's a, it's a big, it's a big journey to go on Mm -hmm. to work with somebody that intimately. Mm -hmm. And And then, you know, we've had experiences in hiring therapists or psychedelic retreats and mm-hmm. exactly there's been some real challenges there to find for to find individuals who are not judgmental don't have preconceived notions of what people's problems are or how to fix them of what the psychedelic state is all about you know um so you know i think people's appreh- yeah. i think apprehension towards going to a therapist is is in many ways justified um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't mean that there isn't real potential value to gain from seeing a you know an effective helpful therapist that you align with yeah right so what do you what do you want to get out of this what you know let's let's talk about our let's do some pre-game yeah some pre- <laughs> <laughs> let's warm up our warm up our vulnerability Ooh. here <laughs> Wow, how impressed w- will our therapist be when we tell yeah, them that we right? pre-gamed our session? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did a little pre-therapy. Throw something therapy. at me, or uh. <laughs> throw something at you? Yeah, I mean, like an know. object? Yeah, <laughs> a lamp or something. I don't know. Yeah, you know what, Rachel? You know, coming into the session, we really wanted to get ready, so I I threw some <laughs> objects at Eric. Really got him worked up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just you know, just for maybe you to start greasing your your wheels <laughs> i'm not sure that's how therapy works yeah but i think so i guess it could there is that like break shit you know those places where you can go pay money to just break shit oh yeah <laughs> yeah i don't think you're supposed to throw shit at other people though so maybe we <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> yeah uh so what what just, are our yeah, goals what, yeah well what, what are you hoping to get out of this or Mm-hmm. How much do we want to talk about kind of our motivations and reasons behind therapy? I mean, the you know, the mm-hmm. the therapy session that I was slut shamed at 
uh, we went to because we were trying to find a way to healthily explore the possibility of non-monogamy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or what I felt like was the only available lifestyle for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. You're, you're and, and for me too. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't just you. It was my experience in relationships mm-hmm. up until I had met you that there was always some kind of hiding or, <clears throat> or, desires that were unfulfilled but and it was always the men hiding not was it your unfulfilled desires your hiding or was it the men mostly the men mm. there was a point i had a relationship well a couple of relationships actually where they had been on a path of deterioration for a while mm-hmm. and we just mm-hmm. kind of slowly we didn't know how to communicate with each other mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of slowly stopped talking. Mm-hmm. But we never, like we had been, quote unquote, in a relationship mm-hmm. exclusively mm-hmm. for, say, one, two years. And then things slowly start deteriorating and we just stop talking, slowly stop talking and then slowly stop hanging out. And then we're like both starting to see other people but not tell each other mm-hmm. and then we come together and then there's all this paranoia you know about it like mm-hmm. you're not seeing anybody are you mm-hmm. like you know are you cheating on me <laughs> but you know we it's not like we've been talking for weeks right type of thing and yeah. then it would just blow up and then we break up and so sounds like a lot of marriages i've heard of as well yeah or well a couple actually a couple that i was in <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, I never, I, I never cheated on my spouses then, uh, but I tried to, or was looking for options too. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, and I, and so many friends. I mean, female friends, and mainly female friends who would express like, God, like I'm, I'm really, I've got like, I'm kind of hot for this person, and like, but there's no way I would ever say anything to mm-hmm. my boyfriend about it. Oh my mm-hmm. God, he would lose it, mm-hmm. and. <clears throat> And then also, uh, yeah, just knowing, you know, you know, when your partner is looking at someone or is flirting with someone and like, you're like, okay, well, something there, Mm -hmm. but you ask about it and it's totally denied. Like there's nothing there. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. Like, I feel like there's something there. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And then you hear from somebody else. You just find out your partner's cheating or wants to cheat, quote unquote, cheat or whatever. Mm-hmm. So and then also me before we met me falling in love with a married man mm-hmm. and him like him and I ultimately hiding. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that felt horrible, mm-hmm. horrible. And the whole time I was thinking oh my God, I just want to, if there was only a way where we could all, like we could make this work and be honest, Mm -hmm. like, like, yes, you are in a relationship that there's no sex. Like, that was a whole thing. Mm -hmm. They were very close friends and had a child together, two children together. 
yet we're not sexual with each other Mm. at all Mm. ever and yet there was a lot of jealousy around it from her point of view that he wanted to have sex Mm. and so naturally but like she didn't want to know that he was seeking it but he like she said it would be okay if he went like don't ask don't tell policy type of thing Mm. but if she found out then it would just blow up and she would threaten to divorce him and it was like totally dysfunctional and I thought to myself for a while (laughs) when I was engaging in that relationship this is really painful and hurtful for me Mm -hmm. like I don't want to live my life not being able to go out in public with you mm-hmm. and like I want to have kids I want to have a family I want to like this is totally dysfunctional right. so cannot can we not be honest and transparent about everyone's needs can I not help with the kids mm. can I not like have a functional role in your family and no I couldn't because of the lack of willingness from probably both of them mm. to have hard conversations so meeting you i i thought this can't this can't happen Mm. like we have to find a way to be honest and i want to welcome that from for you i want you to be able to feel like you can tell me when you have feelings and desires and Mm. instead of lie Mm-hmm. and go behind my back because you are, are afraid of losing me for yeah. telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So it was both of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we went to this counselor, uh, spiritual counselor, mm-hmm. and we're both very transparent about the state of our relationship, and what we were going through and some jealousy things, some feelings of jealousy I was having and having trouble working through at the time. And you also expressing feelings of frustration. She lost it on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, scolded you mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. having these feelings. And um, yeah, what's your recollection of that? Yeah, I mean, just like you said, um, and, you know, kind of like we were talking about this morning, uh, I can recall almost doubling down based because of my resistance to this kind of moral superiority, you know. Um, you know, I just, as I, again, we talked about this morning, you know, reiterate as I look back on my life and see how much of my behaviors have been a response to a trauma response to dogma and moral superiority imposed from religion, society, parents, family, friends, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, I've had friends who cheated on their spouses kind of shame me for trying to be honest you know, uh, my right. closest friend in Jamaica, who's now gone, used to tell me, fucking lie. You, 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 I'm a fool for trying to talk to you honestly. Mm-hmm. I should lie because, you know, it's hurting you to be honest. Right. Like, what the fuck is that? Um, 
Yeah. And so, so much of my behavior has been, yeah, in a, an attempt to um, push back against what I felt like was an imposed morality. Mm. Um, and I don't know. It's it's like you know we're listening to that kind of that David Hawkins on th- this morning driving around and um you know it's talking about how basically anytime you guilt someone then you're reinforcing the behavior that is potentially unhealthy and you know I'm not here to say what is necessarily healthy or unhealthy for personal relationships and sex lives and all that um, other than for myself and I can certainly look back and say that I've engaged in unhealthy and unproductive behavior and ways of thinking as a as a trauma response mm-hmm. um, so yeah I don't know it's a it's a it's a journey you know we're ongoing trying to figure out Mm-hmm. who we are and what we want out of life yeah that's that's the thing i feel like i just want to keep as individuals and a couple mm-hmm. um i want to keep asking questions mm-hmm. instead of making assumptions that mm-hmm. well i guess we'll just do it like this because mm-hmm. this is how we're supposed to do it well and i and, and I, I also did the same thing have done the same thing, not because this is how I'm supposed to do it, but because this is what I've been told I'm not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, right. Not questioning our behaviors on continually is a surefire way to continue repeating unhealthy behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And getting feedback from somebody who's not biased Mm-hmm. is what I see a therapist, like a good therapist to me is someone that can put aside um, a good fit in a therapist because mm-hmm. it's not as if like this person that we're going to talk to for the first time today mm-hmm. could be an excellent therapist mm-hmm. and could have some own, her own personal baggage that would Mm -hmm. allow her not allow her to effectively work with us so it's not as if like you can't be um some therapists are good but just not a good fit right so so anyway a good fit therapist for us would be someone who has spoken with other couples like plenty of other couples who are also questioning their uh the cultural norm of relationships Mm. and asking is this the way the right way for us Mm. is there another way Mm. is there an in-between way and helping for that hopefully she can help guide us through questions and reflections of things that we may not see in ourselves anymore like Mm. W- ways that we may be thinking that are just right habitual yeah. that she could suggest like okay like i see you thinking and talking like this mm-hmm. like maybe and then it seems as if you think 
there's only one other way to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's either this way or that way. And maybe there's another way you're not thinking of. Right. How about that? Yeah. That's really what I want. I just want somebody who can step aside like their own personal opinions right. and, you know, reflect. And it's funny how, possibilities. I, I, you know, I'm sure I'd love, I'd love feedback from people that I work with and I do get feedback from people that I work with. It's funny how, you know, that is the role that I play for people so often is helping them explore options rather than, you know, define a certain path, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it's so, it's, you just, when you're a tree, it's hard, you can't see the forest, you know. And so, like, it's it's something that I know is needed and valuable for me. And I'm really grateful that we're doing this uh, again. But it's also you know, very ironic. I'm, I'm not a therapist, but I spend a lot of time kind of therapeutically mm-hmm. talking with people and helping them explore options. But it's something that is often hard for me to do for myself. Yeah, I just think that, I mean, that's normal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, you know, part yeah. of being a human living in your own imagination. You know, you're a world of your own creation. Yeah. Like that book that I picked up yesterday as I was, going through our library um, about being this book basically about being an effective leader and there's a chapter about having a devil's advocate mm-hmm. like a specific person or people that function as devil's advocates in your mm-hmm. organization and in your life because you just cannot see right cannot see everything uh, unless you're on the outside of it. Yeah. No, it's really important. So, <laughs> yeah. So I guess we still need to answer that question you asked. What do we want to get out of mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. perspective? Mm-hmm. And I, so I, more specifically, I have been on a real journey in the last year and a half around setting boundaries in my life and we've had a whole episode or two about boundaries Mm -hmm. at this point. So I would like some support around strategy, preemptive strategy personally. And for us as a couple, I guess even more specifically safe and supportive containers. So creating containers for conversation and processing. And for instance, I know everybody in the freaking world can relate to this. When I'm experiencing anxiety about something, whatever it is, um, and it's really on my mind, And so it's on my mind. And then whoever is around me often is affected by that. Mm. Right. So if I feel like I don't have a specific way to channel that anxiety, then it's just going to start leaking out all the time. So say I'm having financial anxiety and I don't know how to talk to you about it. Mm. Then it's just going to start leaking out in little comments and anxieties and stresses. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to like, creep its way in all throughout the day as opposed to 
maybe there's a better way. Like I could say, you know, I'm starting to feel a little bit of anxiety around our finances. I'd love to talk about it. Could we set aside a time to talk about it in a specific way that's helpful instead of creating a more anxious situation? Mm. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah, it really sounds like when we have uh, two children, multiple businesses and enterprises that we're developing and you know there's very little time that we have and then you've got these big topics that need to be addressed mm -hmm. to say like we're gonna wait two days until we can set aside 30 minutes when the kids are asleep and talk yeah, but about I know it, I know for for sure like by the time after the kids are in bed and then it's time for us to have our own whatever time that's left and we're exhausted mm -hmm. practically speaking having conversations yeah. that involve like mental deep energy emotional, yeah. <laughs> deep emotional feelings like it's not most likely happening often but it, maybe it doesn't have to be that way that's what i'm saying like that's what i want the perspective of mm -hmm. a professional mm -hmm. experienced professional for to say, okay, you think in your head it has to look like this, but mm -hmm. maybe it could look like this. Maybe mm -hmm. there's a way to talk about things that are tough to talk about quickly and in a specific way. Like give us a, a format mm -hmm. of sorts or yeah. even just practice. Maybe this is just practice in these therapy sessions of like yeah, processing in an effective way because mm -hmm. she's going to be able, hopefully to reflect to us okay hold on like you're going down i see you're throwing lamps i see <laughs> yeah like <laughs> okay like eric said this and courtney like i you know you're responding and okay like but i'm seeing that you're going down a specific path so mm -hmm. let's stop right there redirect you know like helping mm -hmm. us redirect mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And showing to us, having another person that's showing to us yeah. our patterns yeah. that maybe, maybe you've told me a hundred times that, okay, like you're going down a fear loop, mm -hmm. but I hear it from you and I'm like, well, clearly like you're not understanding me. Yeah. You know, or I need, I, we both need I, to. Yeah, the way I do. Yeah. I get into my negative loops and, um, you know, yeah, you often try to help me get out of them, but. You know, you're kind of like me, you know, like you're a, another where we are kind of versions of each other in ways. Now, so we're talking to ourselves. What do you want to get out of? Um, What do I want to get out of this therapy? I guess I just want to hear myself talk. I want to hear myself work through what I'm thinking. Not like I want to hear myself <laughs> talk like, oh, listen, I'm to me sure talk, you huh? do. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's something we're gonna have to bring up. Huh? <laughs> what's what's underlying that comment? You uh, like to hear yourself talk. Everybody likes to hear themselves talk. Mm, yeah, <laughs> not everybody says that to somebody though, do they? <laughs> um, no, I do want to. I do want to hear my thoughts out loud. I don't want to hear them bounce off of people. I want to off of someone who is hopefully a neutral perspective um you know i think that i have come to a place in my life that i want to simplify 
my life. Um, I have been complicating my life in so many ways, and it has. I feel like it's been um, kind of a. Uh, I've been complicating my life, thinking that it was going to simplify it. Thinking that, okay, well, this this is simple. I want to be, to be with other people, so I'm just going to be with other people. And it's just that's just the simple solution, <coughs> and it's not. Well, uh, more complex. Like I think you've made it, from my perspective, more complex than that. Like, oh yeah, for sure. But even still, like, not you just know, you need to be with other people, and so you go and do it. That's not. No, I've definitely complicated exactly. it on many, many levels. <laughs> yeah, many many I'll levels. Spin. No, I know. I mean, it's like it's exponentially complicated from that point. Mm-hmm. But just that alone is such an added complication to an already complicated life. I've got a lot of shit that I'm trying to do with my life and focusing and putting all energy and attention into what I truly believe. Like I've, I've certainly talked about my mom and I a lot on this podcast and in our lives. And I truly have come to believe that, you know, this has been a me seeking multiple relationships has been me trying to fill a hole, fill a void that is a product of certain aspects of my upbringing. This whole like conversation that we've been having for eight years and how it's evolved, you know, one of the biggest shifts that I had in my awareness that has kind of continued to impact where I'm at today is um, the conversations that I've had with a therapist friend of ours. She's done a lot of psychedelic work and a lot of non-monogamy work and you know she's someone whose perspective I've really valued because she has lived a life that a, a life of experience through the same things that I'm trying to gain clarity on and she's got some years on her and you know she straight up told me in some of the later conversations that we had that if she had it to do over again that she would not be non-monogamous that she spent so much time talking and all this kind of complication that that lifestyle requires and to the end of the day her husband who she loved dearly left her because she felt like she couldn't be monogamous and she you know has said to me that she felt like it was kind of detrimental uh, that it was a lot of energy spent that didn't really lead to anything. But, you know, she has expressed to me that she's lonely. And, yeah, if she had to do it over again, she would have stayed with her husband. You know, a big part of what I've been trying to work through is... is what is ethical and what is what is really moving towards a spiritual truth and there is a reality that many many people have extramarital affairs and lie about it and so my rationale had been is that people are inherently non-monogamous so stop lying about it and just accept it and go on and I think that's I think there can be truth to that, 
but I think that there is also, you know, talking with another female friend of mine who's in her fifties and has been married for 29 years. Um, and as we talk about the depth of the relationship, as you maintain that discipline and you maintain that kind of singularity that it creates a richness and a depth in that relationship. Yeah, there are, you know, like I grew up eating pork tenderloin and that shit is delicious. It's fucking fried pork tenderloin is delicious, but it's so fucking bad for me. And I can live the rest of my life not having pork tenderloin. I can live the rest of my life not having pig bacon because it's fucking horrible for me. And so that is a perspective and a discipline that can be applied. Yeah, I hear you. It's been a lot more centered around building a relationship with someone else. So, I mean, I feel like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. for me is where it's gotten overcomplicated and stressful. Mm. And that's another place where like I've been wanting feedback from a professional who's experienced in alternative relationships is this whole idea that if we want to be with someone else, then they need to be, it needs to be us together I like that is where I have experienced a lot of stress is feeling like I need to be a part of a relationship that I don't want to be a part of Mm -hmm. like yeah but I don't have a relationship that's that you're not a part of like I died right so so like that that's been a huge that's been like a huge dilemma (laughs) for us i know so it's a complication it's like i know it's like what are you trying to do here Eric? like what are you trying to you don't listen to yourself you don't want to have a relationship without this person yeah there is the idea the idealistic perspective just like you said with the guy that was married there's this kind of idealism that oh we could all just be together no you can't actually you can't Right. You're going to distract. It's going to detract. And and so like that's, that's so right there. So just take that scenario. Like right now I kind of feel like I'm wondering and I would like, I would love to get some clarification as we move through therapy in this, but I am wondering if as of recently, you're kind of like throwing the baby out with bathwater, kind of taking it all in a lump and being like, and throwing it all out because I'm deciding it's, it's like, that's not the way to live take this this relationship that i mentioned uh this married Mm. man that i was seeing before you and i met many years ago Mm. in that particular situation a sexless marriage where they are trying to keep their family together Mm -hmm. like their sexual compatibility has like ended up being null Mm -hmm. and not only that but like the female is for the most part not sexual Mm. they've been to counseling nothing's happening Mm -hmm. hasn't moved given that situation of trying to like still having romantic romanticism in their relationship like romantic feelings but Mm. no sex Mm. 
wanting to live together and keep their lives and their children's lives together Mm. from the outside. I'm like, okay, there could be an in between here. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. to say that, okay, if he seeks a sexual relationship that like she cannot be a part of, like she's not a sexual Mm. person and like, that's okay. Like there's people that really are, Mm-hmm. They don't have that mm-hmm. inclination for whatever reason. So like to say that, well, that just means that he should live a non-sexual life because of her, mm-hmm. which he tried to do mm-hmm. definitely. And mm-hmm. like kind of tortured himself mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. often. And I'm sure there's people listening to this that can relate. Oh, like yeah. it's re- it's pretty common. Yeah. So you know, I think that is, that just seems so hurtful to live a life mm-hmm. where you feel like I can't have needs met mm-hmm. because of trying to maintain a partnership and mm-hmm. keep my family together. Mm-hmm. Like, that, not- like in that situation, yeah. like that's a situation where there i think should be for a healthy life for everybody mm-hmm. there should be an alternative route that's taken yeah you well know? i think that every situation is different and i think that things change over time and i think that it is wrong to say that anyone weighs how it should be for everyone anyone all the time mm-hmm. period um i think that right now for me whether i'm throwing out the baby with the bathwater I don't think that's necessarily true, um, but I think that I know that I'm experiencing an enormous amount of relief and freedom mentally um, mm-hmm. by realizing how fortunate I am fully and knowing mm-hmm. that I don't I don't really I don't I definitely don't need anything else. Have I I have wanted more, but I haven't needed more, and so to want what I have and to know that I have what I need is a very fulfilling place for me to be in. Am I open to the possibility, the very seemingly very slim (laughs) possibility of us meeting a man, a woman, a couple, a genderless triad or some (laughs) scenario that I cannot imagine where we all like function as a (laughs) unit (laughs) (laughs) then i'm totally open to any possibility yeah but um, i'm not open to continuing to try to force and create something when i have everything that i need that is the spirit that i wanted to go into ethical non-monogamy with Mm -hmm. years ago Mm -hmm. like we have everything we need in each other Mm -hmm. like i mean as far as as far as we have very fulfilling lives Mm -hmm. and we have so much more than we could ever need yeah and from that spirit i feel like that's where i know that's where we attract abundance whether it's in community and friendships sexual relationships i mean i've when i've been in that place in my life and individually like i have a bang in life 
solo. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I want a partner, Mm -hmm. but I love my life. Like that's when I met you. Mm -hmm. I was feeling really good about myself and empowered in myself and more so than I I had ever had up until that point anyway. Mm -hmm. And like then I met you and I feel like if someone is going to go about bringing another person or other people into our lives, mm-hmm. it would need to be in that spirit. Like yeah, for yeah. it to, for it to be healthy as I mm-hmm. feel like, like what I just said, any single person bringing in another person into their life, mm-hmm. if you're already in a place of lack and desperation, right? most likely, I mean, the odds are the person that you're bringing in is going to be, yeah matching that matching that so yeah no i mean it's i completely agree i completely agree and you know i i really fully i feel like i'm being completely honest with myself more honest than i've ever been in acknowledging that this kind of wanting has been a an attempt for me to push back against what i felt like was forced on me Mm -hmm. you know yeah. And it's that's unhealthy. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, trying to force any type of lifestyle or morality mm-hmm. on anyone, you're going to create the opposite. You're you're just going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's acceptance and commitment and openness and honesty and, you know, forgiveness and willingness to explore and make mistakes and mm-hmm. grow. Like, that's where it's at. And that's what you have allowed me to do. That's what. I want and that's what I got so um, yeah happy with that and like I don't know I just want to keep improving the quality of our lives together and whatever that looks like if it, if it does include smiles or whatever that's fine but like I don't uh, it's totally fine not to be mm-hmm. yeah well we got one minute until <laughs> All right, <let's> do <laughs> until it. therapy so yeah. I think we're pretty how do you feel I feel like we pre- pre-gamed I'm definitely well enough up, definitely greased up feel <laughs> Me too. Feel my anxieties (laughs) boiling and feel my confidence fluctuating. (laughs) So so we'll have to follow up on our our, uh, appointment then. All right. Till next time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. See ya. And the beating of the drum.